welcome to Cancer HealthCast, where science is driving hope. I'm your host, Nikki Henderson. Today, we are joined by Dr. Vikrant Sahasra Boudet, who is the Deputy Chief of the Breast and Gynecologic Cancer Research Group and Program Director in the Division of Cancer Prevention at the National Cancer Institute overseeing prevention clinical research on cervical cancer and other human papillomavirus-related cancers. Dr. Vick also provides scientific direction and strategic guidance for efforts on optimization of clinic-based and population-based precision prevention strategies for cervical cancer and other HPV-related cancers, and also building the evidence base for their implementation in the U.S., and worldwide. Hello, Dr. Vic, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you inviting me uh, to this show and glad to join you here. You're very welcome. Well, cancer of the uterine cervix or cervical cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths among women globally. Cervical cancer is caused by longstanding infection with the human papillomavirus or HPV a virus for which we have highly effective vaccines, as well as screening and treatment methods. Yet we continue to see thousands of people get cervical cancer and die from it. Dr. Vick, can you start off by talking about a project that I know is near and dear to your heart, the NCI Cervical Cancer Last Mile Initiative? Can you please tell us a little more about that? Sure. So despite the fact that we have highly effective prevention approaches, we still see over 13,000 cases and 4,000 deaths every year in the United States due to cervical cancer, one of the most preventable of all malignancies. The burden due to cervical cancer globally is even more profound with more than 600,000 cases and more than 300,000 deaths every year, which translates to about one person dying every two minutes. A particularly tragic statistic, since we already know so much about the science as well as ways to prevent and control this cancer. In fact, even in the US, over half of all new cervical cancer cases are diagnosed in those who have either never been screened or are infrequently screened. So to address this issue around access to cervical cancer screening, an alternative approach and technology that has been widely evaluated is self-collection or self-sampling for HPV testing. This approach offers several benefits, including the ease of collection at a time or place of an individual's choice without the need for a clinic visit or a pelvic or a speculum examination. Now, self-sampling is not new. It has already been approved in several countries globally. Unfortunately, we do not yet have a FDA-approved test for primary screening based on the self-collection approach. And without such FDA approvals, these approaches are not integrated into clinical practice or public health programs. So to inspired by the vision of providing a catalytic activity for solving this problem, we launched the NCI Cervical Cancer Last Mile Initiative as a public-private partnership involving stakeholders from the government, industry, and professional societies to catalyze activities and develop the evidence towards regulatory approvals of HPV-based self-sampling approaches 
such that cervical cancer screening can indeed reach underserved and underscreened populations. We have three key activities in the Last Mile Initiative. First, in partnership with the FDA and assay manufacturers, we have been engaged in appraising the evidence and available uh, data around self-sampling as an alternative approach for HPV testing technologies so as to benefit public health. And within that framework, inform and facilitate the discussions between the FDA and HPV assay manufacturers on regulatory pathways for self-sampling approvals. Secondly, later this year, we will be launching the self-sampling for HPV testing to improve cervical cancer prevention or the SHIP trial, a nationwide multi-center clinical trial that focuses on a non-competitive parallel evaluation of multiple self-sampling-based collection, device, and assay combinations. The SHIP trial will be conducted in about 25 clinical and community settings that cover a spectrum of geographic and practice and health system settings across the United States uh, with participants that represent a wide diversity of groups across underserved, underscreened, marginalized, and vulnerable individuals, including those facing geographic or physical inaccessibilities, such as residents of rural and underserved areas with inadequate healthcare or clinician coverage, or those from racial, ethnic, or immigrant groups uh, who have lack of awareness or personal or social preferences against pelvic or speculum examination, or those who are unable to or prefer not to be examined through the pelvic or speculum exam, such as those with physical disabilities or history of sexual trauma. So through this trial, our goal is to evaluate the accuracy, usability, and acceptability of the self-sampling approach and contribute to the evidence to inform the regulatory decisions by the FDA on approvals of these technologies. And thirdly, we are working to disseminate the evidence on self-sampling so as to eventually change practice, including partnerships with professional societies uh, who will eventually update their clinical practice guidelines once FDA approvals are in. And we are working also to create a publicly accessible repository of resources for eventually improving implementation of self-sampling. So as a whole, through the Last Mile Initiative, we want to build on the lessons learned through the pandemic and reinforce the importance of home-based sampling and reaching individuals where they are using such person-centric and decentralized healthcare delivery approaches and adapting them to the challenges uh, we face while increasing access to cervical cancer screening. Wow, Dr. Vic, that is really amazing to hear the last mile initiative, how it's helping intervene and reach so many women who haven't been screened for cervical cancer. And it's definitely promising because it will help reduce the number of women who are dying from this disease. Well, right now, we're seeing growing priorities around cancer innovation with the President's Cancer Moonshot Initiative and the National Cancer Plan. So how do you see the NCI Cervical Cancer Last Mile Initiative supporting these goals? So great question. Uh, the Last Mile Initiative is very much contributory to the President's Cancer Moonshot Initiative and the National Cancer Plan in that it seeks to address a couple of key cross-cutting themes 
including expansion of access to cancer screening and preventing cancers before they start. The eventual FDA approvals for self-collection that will be catalyzed by the Last Mile Initiative and the SHIP trial will propel efforts by both public sector and private sector partners to implement HPV self-sampling based activities, including pilot studies and scale-up efforts, and learning and adapting to address this key challenge in women's health and cancer prevention. But more importantly, the ability to rigorously evaluate the accuracy and usability of these novel devices through the SHIP trial and refine the approaches for improving the logistics, implementation, and dissemination of simpler approaches for cervical cancer screening has a potential to significantly improve the landscape on improving access to cervical cancer screening. So I do feel that the efforts of the NCI Cervical Cancer Last Mile Initiative and the SHIP trial are very much in congruence and serve to incrementally add to the larger government-wide efforts through the President's Cancer Moonshot Initiative and National Cancer Plan to address uh, cancer prevention and improve screening. Okay. Another big priority in government is health equity. You mentioned this earlier. Dr. Vic, what are some of the barriers and challenges you're seeing among patients from populations facing health disparities, especially regarding screening vaccines and other prevention methods? Now, cervical cancer is often described as a disease of health inequities. As the research agency for public health, NCI supports innovations in cancer prevention research and focuses on the development of some of the most transformative solutions for addressing these disparities. Now, we do have a vaccine against HPV, which has been available since 2006 as a frontline approaches for HPV-related cancer prevention. This vaccine is given as a two or three dose uh, series, depending on your age. But what we have seen is that uptake rates of the full two or three dose series has been much below our expectations in the US. Further, some of these same individuals who may not receive uh, the full dose of the HPV vaccines may also be at risk of not accessing regular cervical cancer screening in adulthood because of several barriers to preventive healthcare. So if we do not try to optimize ways to cover and reassure that every individual receives at least one dose of the HPV vaccine, we might continue to see persistent disparities in cervical cancer incidence. One such approach to consider is a evaluation of a single dose HPV vaccine schedule, which might simplify logistics, reduce the cost, and thereby expand access. So over the past decades, leadership through the NCI's intramural program has led the evidence around uh, the effectiveness of a single dose HPV vaccine schedule, including from studies in Costa Rica, and combined that with studies from other parts of the world uh, the WHO formally recommended that a single-dose HPV vaccine paradigm is a permissive approach that can address vaccine access during times of limited supplies or shortage and can significantly simplify program scale-up and implementation. NCI has also recently contributed to this evidence from the first-ever U.S.-based immunogenicity study 
to demonstrate that HPV antibody titers remain stable after just a single dose of the HPV vaccine for up to two years. And this is now both in girls as well as in boys, a particularly important message because HPV vaccine recommendations in the US are gender neutral and uh, HPV causes diseases including head and neck cancers and anal and genital cancers and genital warts in both males and females in addition to the substantial burden due to cervical cancer. Now, I do want to reinforce the fact that the US guidelines by the CDC still recommend that children uh, ages 11 to 12 get two doses of the HPV vaccine six to 12 months apart, starting as early as age nine. But one of the biggest barriers around HPV vaccine uptake has been misconceptions about both the safety and effectiveness of the HPV vaccine, as well as provider and parental reluctance to discuss and recommend and request these HPV vaccines due to hesitation and stigma associated with HPV being perceived as a sexually transmitted infection and the consequential hesitancies around having discussions on these topics. The efforts to promote the vaccine as a cancer prevention intervention is now borne out by the evidence that exists after almost 17 years of the rollout of this vaccine, that it does indeed reduce rates of HPV and cervical cancer in populations that receive it and is an extremely safe vaccine. So NCI and partners are focused on these key messages that HPV vaccination is a highly effective cancer prevention approach particularly for cancers that can have devastating morbidity and mortality. Now, we also have to address the healthcare inequities that exist due to lack of access to life-saving screening and treatment interventions, particularly for adults who may not benefit immediately by HPV vaccination, for whom we still have to provide the most appropriate method to prevent cervical cancer, which is to expand access to screening and uh, pre-cancer treatment. And therefore, approaches such as uh, self-sampling for HPV testing uh, that we are facilitating through the Last Mile Initiative and linking screening positive results to the appropriate management, diagnosis, and treatment and follow-up are really key to ensure that we address some of these healthcare inequities due to this disease. The bottom line is very few cancers have an abundance of approaches for both prevention and control, and every case of cervical cancer really represents a tragic failure of our times, reinforcing our efforts to improve whatever we can to do to increase access through innovations in vaccine delivery, uh, screening access improvements, and treatment uh, access uh, facilitation such that both current and future generations of women are benefited uh, by improved methods to prevent uh, HPV-related cancers, such as cervical cancer. Okay. Well, we're hearing a lot about the promise of emerging technologies and what they can bring to healthcare. So where do you see capabilities, Dr. Vic? Um, like AI making the biggest impacts in cancer prevention and early detection? And how about any other technologies? So that's a great question. Uh, while artificial intelligence has a lot of promise to transform several sectors of our society, it is certainly 
even more and phenomenally important in its promise to helping catalyze a lot of innovation and care delivery in health and medicine. AI tools are key to help simplify the complexities in medical care delivery, including in diagnoses, in personalizing treatments, as well as in improving communication between physicians and patients, and uh, reducing medical errors, improving medical uh, transcriptions, writing prescriptions, as well as remote treatments and uh, telemedicine. And in the case of medical research, AI can actually help improve and transform the spectrum between drug discovery, design, and development, uh, and improve clinical trial efficiencies by reducing the time it might take for bringing a product from bench to bedside to communities, as well as reducing the cost for bringing more therapies and solutions to patients. Now, more recently, state-of-the-art uh, AI and machine learning approaches have achieved accuracies in certain uh, settings that are at par with human experts in the field, uh, yet it is probably too soon to predict if many of the human tasks might be rendered completely unnecessary. And we still will need to ensure that some of these best approaches to AI incorporate uh, the training and validation that's really conducted on carefully collected ground truth data so as to ensure highly relevant translation when these AI tools are adopted in real world settings. Now in the HPV and cervical cancer world, we have already seen AI tools to improve methods such as automated diagnoses in pathology, as well as in improved approaches to cervical imaging. And although these are really promising and can simplify the logistics, as well as serve as adjuncts to clinicians for reducing human errors and variability by promoting an objective evaluation, they still need careful uh, considerations in clinical trials and real-world studies for testing both their effectiveness and implementation potential before they are truly made available for scaling up. And of course, even though the field as a whole is exploding, the societal implications for such a radical technological change in healthcare delivery and medical research will need careful navigation and consideration of some of the unintended consequences uh, we just have to ensure that adequate considerations are given that such uh, tools do not perpetuate uh, health inequities and in fact are um, improved approaches to overcome some of these disparities that we see, which will really be the, the way in which we can see AI truly helping and improving cancer prevention and early detection. Well, that's great news hearing about the impacts, the positive impacts, and the big impacts that AI could make, especially in diagnosing and, and treating cancers. That's great. Well, Dr. Vic, what do you think will make the biggest impact reaching the goal of reducing the cancer death rate by half within the next 25 years? Well, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, it may seem extremely simplistic and quite straightforward, but, and some of these gains have already been realized over the past few decades, but reducing smoking, 
still has the potential to have some of the biggest impacts on cancer incidence and mortality over the next several years. That still remains one of the biggest preventable causes of cancer. Uh, we do want to see, of course, other ways in which we can prevent cancer. In the context of HPV-related cancers, we do feel that in addition to the HPV vaccines uh, and the improved delivery and, and access to HPV vaccination, uh, which will have an impact over the next uh, two to three decades as, as more uh, individuals get vaccinated and consequently when they reach an age at which most of these cancers manifest, which is typically in the 30s and 40s and 50s, that's when we see some of their reductions being actively and acutely seen as going down. But in the meanwhile, uh, several studies, including ones that NCI has supported, have suggested that increasing access to methods such as screening that we already have in our armamentarium could have an even bigger impact in terms of reducing cancer over the next several years, even while waiting for the impact of vaccination to take place over the next several decades. So we do have two major approaches to screening and vaccination. And therefore, I think we have an ability to prevent HPV as a preventable cause of cancer, both by uh, preventing acquisition of HPV, by providing age-appropriate vaccination, but also treating the consequences of HPV by early detection through screening and pre-cancer treatment. In fact, this is one of the goals that the U.S., along with many other 180-plus countries, signed on with the World Health Organization as part of what is being referred to as a cervical cancer elimination initiative because this is one of the cancers that has a promise of being eliminated through the appropriate use of these uh, vaccination and screening technologies. Now, we of course know that this is a multi-decade effort before any cancer like this can be eliminated, but if we even scale up access to screening in the next several years, perhaps through the use of self-sampling and other technologies, and we increase, continue to increase access to vaccination, which will eventually induce herd immunity, we think we can see the end of HPV-related cancers much sooner than if we were to do a much uh, lesser impact effort. So our goal is to uh, catalyze some of these activities, such as through the Last Mile Initiative, or some of the efforts that are underway to improve access to HPV vaccination to see the impact on HPV-related cancers, one of the most preventable of all cancers. And therefore, we do feel that that is something that can contribute significantly to reducing cancer incidence and therefore cancer mortality rates over the next several years. Okay, wow, that's amazing. And that would be great if we could reduce that the, the, with the vaccines, that's great. Well, before we conclude, Dr. Vic, do you have any final remarks or comments that you would like to leave with our listeners? Well, I'll just take a moment to reinforce what we've just discussed, which is that here at the National Cancer Institute, we are evaluating many approaches to improving prevention uh, for cervical cancer and other HPV-related cancers, particularly by evaluating and utilizing simplifications in prevention technologies, such as HPV self-sampling approaches, and improving HPV vaccination delivery, such as through single-dose schedules. These are interventions that might take us a long way forward towards addressing the health inequities due to cervical cancer and HPV-related cancers in the U.S. and globally, and reducing the burden of these highly preventable cancers.
really, really, really good information that you shared with us today, Dr. Vic, really good. Well, I really appreciate your time. This has been a great conversation and I wanna thank you again, Dr. Vic, for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com dot com.